Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. Last week, we celebrated our 30th episode, which Clayton was not here for because he was on vacation. So Clayton, fill us in. What do you, what do you usually do on vacation? Um, well, you know, honestly, nothing all that interesting, because uh, I have young children, so traveling has not yet become fun again, um, so that'll happen fairly soon, but this time we just, uh, we were in town, and we had family in, and we went out to some, you know, beautiful outdoor places a few times, but that was about it. You didn't go anywhere, and you missed our 30th episode? I'm sorry, guys. So rude. <laughs> there are no celebratory noises. No. For this... Situation. None. How old are your kids, Clayton? Uh, uh, 10. So I got to think about it. I got to Do I have children? Uh, 10, 7, and 4. So the four-year-old is just getting to the place where we'll, we'll and travel And how, how many years do you think it's going to be before traveling becomes enjoyable? It, it'll be soon. It'll be, the, it'll be probably later this year. I just want you to know that every parent out there that's listening to this podcast is thinking to themselves, you are delusional. <laughs> <laughs> Travel will become fun again when, when it's when, just when you and out. your wife. <laughs> yeah. there you go. Michelle did actually say, what do, you, what do you want to do for our next vacation? I was like, just you and me, like leave the kids behind. That's what I wanted. Just, just tell, ask dad and mom to take the kids. That's right. They'll take them on some Beanie Baby hunts. And... <laughs> They'll sell some of my kids' toys. <laughs> exactly. It gets, it gets more enjoyable when they can drive. So we, we drove oh, out to the East Coast a few summers ago, and my son did most of the driving, and that was fantastic. Of oh, course, my go. wife was in the backseat dying a thousand deaths because my son's an aggressive driver. But we made great time to the Delaware beaches. There you go. All right, well, we are about to jump into another passage from the New Testament book of Matthew. But before we do, if you're following along with the Bible Savvy reading plan, you'll notice that we also start the Old Testament book of Numbers this week. So Clayton has a few words uh, about that before Eric introduces us to the passage today. So go ahead, Clayton, fill us in. Yeah, the book of Numbers is a great book. It's got a lot of really interesting stories, a lot of uh, fascinating passages, but it's also it's like Leviticus, okay? So we did Leviticus a few weeks ago, and it's got some challenging places, some places that are not easily accessible. And so when we uh, organized the schedule for Bible Savvy, we knew there were certain stretches of the Old Testament that were like this. And so one of the things we did is we made it during those stretches that we would be, do every other day a New Testament book and an Old Testament book. So that the, at the very least, every other day you've got something that feels a little bit closer to home. And so we're going to start doing that, so it'll be every other day Matthew and Numbers. But to help you with those Numbers readings, a few different things I'd recommend. First of all, uh, we always recommend this at the beginning of a book, it's in our context section of our website, uh, to watch the videos done by the Bible Project, the introductory video, the overview video of the book, super helpful. In six or seven minutes, you are going to know more about the book of Numbers than the vast majority of people ever learn about it, and it'll be great. If you want to do a deeper dive into the book of Numbers, this week I'm actually doing uh, a seminar on this, so a workshop about two hours long uh, where it's both available in person and online, and we will do uh, here's how to read the book of Numbers, dig into some of the big passages, and you'll really walk away with a good understanding of that. The other thing I'd recommend is I actually preached a sermon on Numbers chapter 1 a few years ago. We will link to that in the notes uh, for the show, because uh, uh, it, you know, it's the only sermon on Numbers ever preached here uh, at Christ Community Church. Wow. 
Is that a verifiable truth? I looked it up in in Jim's uh, database of passages preached on, and it's the one. So if I want to know more about numbers, I can either A, get a bag of popcorn and watch a six-minute Bible project video, uh-huh. or B, go to Clayton's two-hour workshop. Or... Which one were you going to do, Nikki? Watch his message. Or think, watch his sermon, which is about 35, 40 minutes. That's I don't right. know. Those Bible Project But that was only videos, chapter one. Those Bible Project videos are pretty good. They're crazy good, everybody. Listen, if you have not watched the Bible Project videos, go to BibleSavvy.com and find them on our site. They are unbelievably good. Every time you start a book of the Bible, the first thing you should do is watch a Bible Project video on that book of the Bible. I will also say Clayton's workshops are pretty good too. Yeah, I, I would go. You'll get more out of you will honestly get more out of a two hour workshop, obviously, than a six minute video. It's very true. We we like but him, the Bible so we'll Project videos his, are pretty good. We'll support his workshops. Yeah, and can I say one more thing about numbers? I know we're going to chip away from our discussion if we keep talking about numbers, mm-hmm. but numbers is one of those books that it's named in a deceptive way. This is true. Because you think that, and especially if you read the first few chapters and they're just counting people, you're like, (laughs) I'm not going to read the rest Uh of it. So they're just counting people. It is an action-packed book of the Bible. It is is the people of Israel moving from Mount Sinai to the promised land. And it is crazy. some some of the best narrative in all of the Bible. And some of the greatest learnings about the character of God is in the book of Numbers. So don't let the first few chapters of Numbers make you bail on that book of the Bible. You, you want to talk about a family vacation that went wrong. That's mm. the one right there. There you go. All right. Well, Eric, fill us in on what passage we're talking about today. Did you notice how many times I said fill us in so far? It was like three times. I guess I like that word today. Go ahead, Eric. No, we're this is episode 31. I've just stopped listening to you guys at this point. <laughs> All right, we are Matthew chapter 15, and we are going to read up to, let me scroll down on my screen here, we are going to read to verse 20, and I'm going to go ahead and have Clayton read, and after he reads the text, we'll provide some context, which is the C and comma, and then we'll go from there. All right, Matthew chapter 15. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? So dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and those defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. 
All right, so we start with context, which is the C in the comma method, and I just want to offer a few broad thoughts as we are now halfway through the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and the first thought is a bit of a reminder. I don't remember how much we talked about this in a previous episode, but obviously we have four Gospels, um, four, four accounts of the life, teaching, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and each of the Gospel writers is introducing us to Jesus, but each of the Gospel writers also is thinking about a different audience to whom they're writing their Gospel, and they are they lay, lay out their gospel in a way to try to communicate certain things about Jesus. So here's a broad thought or a reminder about the gospel of Matthew. It is a distinctly Jewish gospel. What Matthew is trying to do is to help Jewish people recognize Jesus as the one who has been promised throughout the history of the, of the Israelite people. So uh, that's why in Matthew... If, if, you, if you look very closely, you see a bunch of Old Testament quotations, because Matthew is constantly tying the life of Jesus back to things that were said in the Old Testament. And if you have a study Bible where you have a lot of those little cross-reference numbers or letters in the text, you're going to see not only is he often using quotations from the Old Testament, but he's constantly referring back to things in the Old Testament without necessarily quoting them. So one of the really great ways to understand the Gospel of Matthew is to constantly be looking at those cross-references um, and jumping back and reading what Matthew is referring to in the Old Testament, and it's going to give you a ton more understanding of what Matthew is doing in his Gospel. So that is a little bit of context, just reminding us that Matthew is a distinctly Jewish Gospel, um, and a little tip there to remember to have some fun when you're reading your Bible and use those cross-reference links and jump back and look what Matthew is referring to. So uh, let's move on to observation. Uh, so what, what jumps out to you guys as, you, as you've heard this text read? Well, I was noticing, uh, like you said, those Old Testament quotes. There's a bunch of them there. There's one that jumped out at me because it was kind of blocked off. You know, it's kind of a, you know, a little poetic section where he quotes from Isaiah, and he says, you know, uh, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Um, they worship me in vain. They, their teachings are merely human rules. Uh, a couple of thoughts I had about that. One is the difference between, there's kind of a contrast between what we say and where our heart really is, and that comes up a few times in the passage. And then I also thought about this thinking, this is some you know Old Testament stuff that they read where Isaiah was condemning a certain group of people. And my guess is that the Pharisees and teachers of the law, when they read that in the past, because they knew the Bible really well, probably thought, oh yeah, we're on Isaiah's side we would be condemning these people who are hypocrites and whatever in his day, but Jesus is flipping, flipping and saying, you're actually the bad guy in this, in this passage that you're really familiar with. And one of the things I saw was um, this difference is a contrast between like external and internal. So like, you know, like you're talking about like they don't wash their hands, but then Jesus is talking about their heart. You know what I mean? So it's this, this idea of like, well, their hands are dirty. Like, I can see it, you know what I mean? They're not cleaning them. And then he's like, yeah, but what, what about what's in your heart? Like what comes out of your mouth um, is, is different, you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a true representation, not, not what you look like on the outside or what you're actually saying. Um, it's, it's this uh, I, other contrast too is like the tradition of the elders and the commands of God. Like it's this idea of like what people think and say versus what God thinks and says. Uh, this is these, you know, opposing sides. 
Yeah, when you talk about the the traditions of the elders and the commands of God, that's another one of those ones where I wonder I wonder if they would have distinguished those if they would have looked at that and said, well, we're we, they've made all these traditions as a way of kind of honoring God, and so for them to feel like this is how we're being obedient to the commands, mm-hmm. and so it, it, there's a little bit of a gut check there of saying, how often are there things that you assume that this is the way you're supposed to do it, or this is what you're supposed to do or not do. And it may be that that comes from the Bible. It may be that that's sort of the accumulation of traditions or culture or kind of what makes sense in your context, but it's not actually, you know, when it comes down to it, what God is requiring. It's something that's been kind of accumulated. It it makes me wonder, makes me want to stop and reflect on that. Yeah, like how much of my following of God is just straight from my heart wanting to follow God, and how much of it is just me accumulating church stuff, family stuff that feels godly, but they're they're and they might be the same thing sometimes. That's what's so confusing about some of these. Like you think about uh, think about uh, obeying the Sabbath or honoring the Sabbath day. And as soon as you start talking about doing that, you start putting rules in place to do it. Like if I'm going to take a day where I don't work and I worship God and I rest, well, I have to start putting rules in place to make sure that happens. So the rules are so closely linked to my honoring of Sabbath that I start to forget that, but they're two different things. Um, And so sometimes rules are actually not evil things. I think sometimes when you read the Gospels, it sounds like Jesus is so chipping away at rules a lot, but what he's pointing out is it's not the rules, it's the heart behind the thing that matters more, like you were saying, external and and internal. Mm -hmm. What jumped out to me as uh, very, very interesting and like, holy cow, the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended (laughs) when they heard this? And Jesus' reply... (laughs) Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. Wow. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And that seems pretty straightforward to me. And then what makes me laugh is, and then Peter says, explain the parable to us. I just did. Yeah. I love that, he, that Jesus responds with, are you still so dull? Like, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah, right, right out there. You know, one of the things I was thinking too about, like these human traditions or human rules. Like, you've ever heard that saying, like, uh, back in the day, like I don't know, my you know, grandparents would say it. It was like, well, God helps those who helps themselves. You know what I mean? It's like, is that somewhere in the Bible? Is that is that actually there? It- but but they would phrase it as if it's like, no, that's in the, that's there. Like you know what I mean? Like God, and I'm like, where is that at? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yeah. There's, there's something, as you were describing the, the, the rules to keep the Sabbath thing becoming kind of the thing, it's almost like when we're, when we're doing comma, okay? So we always end up at A. It's really important to end up with application at the end. Like, you shouldn't just read and walk away as if it didn't affect your life. So we always say, figure out something you're going to do because of this. But it's almost as if the Pharisees did that, or someone in the past did that, and they said, here's the way to apply it in this situation. But then instead of it staying at A, it became the M. It became the message, saying, this is what the Bible means— you must do this application always and forever in all contexts, rather than saying the message says this, and here's how you apply it in your situation, looking at different factors that that might change over time. Wow, did you come prepared to say that, or did that just like hit your head right now? That hit my head. Man, man, weaving comma method with Matthew 15, <laughs> that is some deep stuff right there. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to message. This this uh, this passage is 
it's maybe one of the most straightforward passages we've talked about in a long time on the podcast. We normally try to pick pretty complicated ones to help our listeners. Um, but we, we picked this one because I think there's, there's a really, really important topic to discuss in Matthew 15 that we thought would be helpful. So at, at the last portion here, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. That's so counterintuitive, right? Normally we think if you defile something, you're acting upon that thing to defile it, right? So you think if a person is being defiled, something is happening to that person or happening to that person's body that's defiling it. But Jesus flipping and saying, that's not how that works. What defiles a human being is actually what comes from the inside out. So I'll ask you guys a question. What is more important, rules or heart? And now, that question is so easy to answer. Obviously, right? You're going you're gonna to both say heart. But now let me ask you the follow-up question to my question. How do you know the difference between when someone is just following rules or if they're doing something from their heart? Is that something you can tell from, from the outside? Like, can, can I, could I observe one of you and know? I asked the question. Clayton spun the question, <laughs> and so it landed <laughs> with you, it lands with Nikki. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> well, here, uh, let me let me let me let me elaborate because I I think there might be a possibility for someone to pause and reflect on their own motivations. Now, sometimes we deceive ourselves, and sometimes we think we're doing things for different reasons or whatever. But there there is a, there is at least an opportunity for me to say, "Why is it that I'm really doing this?" and be and, and try to be honest with myself. It's a lot harder. When I look at someone else, it's hard to do what Jesus did and say, no, I see you doing those actions, but they're, they're not coming from a, 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 an honest heart. It's coming from someplace else. Or what if like, okay, so the washing the hands, the Pharisees asked, why don't your followers wash their hands? And Jesus saying like, really what he's saying is, you want to talk to me about washing hands? Like right. washing hands is good and you should, and it's actually part of your guys' rules. Right, so that's a—it's not a bad thing to wash your hands, but if you're going to say that that person is bad, or that person is defiled because they're not washing their hands, you've got it backwards. What defiles a person isn't their actions; it's what's on the inside of them that becomes an action. And they're—they're they're so closely linked that it's—it's it's worth just sitting here and exploring this. I, Go ahead. No, sorry, I, I was just going to say. I think. I think. I think everybody, I know personally for me, I think there's been seasons of my life where I found myself going through the motions with, it's kind of like, oh, well, that's what the Bible says, so that's what I have to do. And and you do it, and sometimes you don't make a deeper connection with it as to seeing the true reason behind why that value brings life to you until you actually get to a point in your spiritual maturity or your relationship with God where it clicks you know what I mean? Like you go, oh, that's why that brings value into my life. That's why that gives life. That's why that is important to follow. It's not just, it becomes less of a rule and more of a, 
this value that we live by. You know what I mean? So I think at first some of it is a going through the motions until it becomes ingrained in just who we are. Like it, that's a value that we live out. I, I don't know if that, that answers that question, but that's what popped into my brain. When you were asking yeah, there's that a, there's a little bit of a fake it till you make it aspect. Like sometimes, you, I think C.S. Lewis talked about. It. He's like, if you want to be, you know, uh, you know, a, I don't know if he said an honest person or something like that. He's like, you ask the question, what would what would a person like that do? What would a person who is a, a loving, kind person do? And then do those things. And at some point, you start to become kind or loving or patient or whatever because you acted that way. Yeah, it's like those WWJD bracelets. What yeah. would Jesus do? Yeah. yeah, and so you there are there is some sort of uh, yeah, like fake I, it till you make it. I used to do that. I used to wear those. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's uh then there's the the reverse of of like doing something in a hollow way, you know? It, it, it's especially the kind of showy things, the things you get credit for. You know, like if you uh you know, if you it, it, Jesus earlier in Matthew used the examples of like praying in public and, you know, showing off when you're giving money, those kinds of things. But but th- those could be done from a good heart. You could do the exact same thing and not have it be empty. It's not faking it. It's not hypocritical. So that's it's, it's a tricky one. I, you know, Ferris, when you talked about um, looking at the person, you know, washing their hands or not washing their hands, like whether or not they break that rule, the reason it doesn't work with the washing of hands is because it's like an additional rule. But there are certain things that when someone acts in a certain way, when you say they, they lied or they, they betrayed someone or they, you know, acted in a really unkind way or whatever it was, like there are certain things you can look at and say, that is one of the things that's coming out of your heart and showing that it's not it's not good. So how do you distinguish where the Pharisees are looking like, you're not doing one of the things you're supposed to do. You're, you're unpure. Like God wants us to be pure. And so both of those are actions that ought to reveal something. Like it, I, it's really tricky the more I think about it. That's why I asked the question, because it's really hard to separate rules from heart. And everyone is so fast to say, it's not the rules, it's the heart that matters. But they're so intricately linked. Um, And just to remind uh, us again, because Matthew is a distinctly Jewish gospel, when we're talking about like food that defiles, when Jesus is saying, it's not the food that you eat that defiles you, let's just remind ourselves that there were a lot of rules uh, in the Jewish community about what you can eat and what you can't eat and what defiles you and, and all of all of those things. And so what we would set aside as um, completely irrelevant, like why is he talking about what goes into your mouth? Because there were certain things that Jewish people will would not will not eat. Um, so here, here's an example. I when I first came to faith in Jesus, uh, when I was a teenager, I started going to a Pentecostal church. And of course, in the Pentecostal holiness type Christian traditions, there is a lot of thou shalt nots, okay? So a lot of, um, for certain, like you don't do any tobacco products and you wouldn't drink any alcohol, okay? And growing up in that tradition, even though I knew that the Bible didn't say anywhere that you should never drink alcohol, it talks a lot about the foolishness of drunkenness, um, it took me a long time to not judge other people for drinking alcohol. So if I was out to a meal with like another pastor or something and they ordered a beer with their dinner, I would never say it out loud, but in my heart, I was judging them as someone that was drinking alcohol in public. And that was just a tradition or a rule from the strain or the stream of Christianity that I was involved in. And the rule itself isn't bad. Like to abstain from alcohol isn't a bad thing. Um, but when I start to make the rule greater than 
heart, what's in that person's heart, then I've somehow flipped the two. What, what about a situation where the rule is fairly uh, straightforwardly biblical? It's not, it's not some sort of implication of avoiding drunkenness or whatever. It's something like, I, I mean, I've, I've heard this multiple times from people who say, I, you know, I'm sleeping with my boyfriend, sleeping with my girlfriend, living with them, whatever it is, uh, and they, they say, because it's not about the, it's not about kind of these, these, you know, strict guidelines or whatever. It's my heart. I'm committed to them. No, we haven't gotten married, but I'm, you know, I'm faithful to them. It feels normal and right in our society. And so it, like their heart is, feels pure to them, or they'll use that sort of line. Um, we, but objectively speaking, like it's a violation of a biblical command to do those things. So the, but the person who's not drinking is probably thinking the same thing. You know, they're thinking, well, that, that's sinful to do that. So h- how, do you, how do you help with that kind of a situation? Oh, the di- yeah, I see what you're saying you, you just you justify, you justify a, a genuine thou shalt not. Like you, you say, well, I can bend that rule because my heart's in the right place, rather than saying... Well, it's, you do, do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, and that's where you, that's the, the thoughts that are in my head now are uh, the heart is deceitful, right? Like you can't really fully trust your own heart because it has been tainted by sin. It's we're all we're all broken by our sinful natures, right? So we can't fully just trust whatever feels right to us. Uh, and then on a very like grand scale, when you think about the the counsel of all of Scripture. The, in the very beginning, in the beginning, God. God what? God created, right? So this is all of God's creation, including us, and he's the one that knows how it works best. He knows how it created to work. He knows how he created human life to flourish. And so we have a fundamental choice to make. Am I just going to trust my own internal feelings and what my heart is telling me? Or am I going to trust the one that made everything? And even when he tells me something is better that doesn't feel better to me, I'm going to go with what he said because I'm going to trust he's the creator. Um, that is the that is a huge human choice. Um, but I mean, look at verse 19. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. All of those things, when people are doing them, feel right when they're doing them. Yeah. Or at least feel good, you know, at the moment they're doing them. So we, we just can't trust our own hearts. It's it's almost like this combination of the the internal and the external checks. Like you've got the internal check for the the person who's being hypocritical, saying you're going through these pious motions, you're doing these things that you say are to honor God, and your and your heart is not in it. You, you're this is not coming from someone who's actively engaged with God, saying how how should I live? What what should this be? How how do I show my love for God and neighbor in these ways? And so they like you've got to check those external things with an internal motivation. Like is it really there? Then there's the external check that says, <laughs> sometimes my heart thinks it's there. You know what I mean? Like that I'm doing the right thing and I've, I've figured out that I'm okay. You know, that I, I feel fine with this, so it must be okay. You need that external check of saying, God, what does your word objectively say is right or wrong, good or bad, wise or foolish in this situation? Yeah. And then there is the, uh, let's just, I think this will be, I think this will be cathartic and helpful for everyone that listens for three church staff members to admit this. And if you guys don't admit it with me, I'll crawl over the table and throw my uh, cucumber mint sparkling water at you. By the way, I'm not going to tell everyone the brand out there, but <laughs> don't drink cucumber mint sparkling water. It's like drinking essential oils. For everyone out there who does drink cucumber sprint, uh, mint sparkling water, 
don't get your feelings hurt by Eric. <laughs> you really concerned about the? Oh, okay. No. Anyway, <laughs> moving, moving on. No, that's uh, terrible. Now I've totally lost my thought. Um, you were something gonna, cathartic oh, for staff. To yes, you were going to throw yes, the can at us. That's yes. say. Yeah, before I yeah threatened that. Sometimes you do things as a Christian and you feel in yourself, I should actually want to do this, but I really don't right now. Like, so for example, sometimes, you ready for this? Pastors don't want to go to church. Never. Or sometimes in the morning when, we, when I wake up, I, most days I'm looking forward to my Bible reading time and my prayer time. Some mornings I wake up, I'm like, I just don't want to do this. And I do it anyway. Because there are some things you do, whether you feel like doing them or not. But a very honest question for us to ask ourselves before God is, God, what does this say about my heart right now? Like, what do you want to what do you want to do in my heart on the inside? Because it's the inside that matters more than the outside behavior. And so that's where we'll uh, that's where we'll land on the message. Is it is obviously what Jesus is telling his disciples, it is the inside that matters more than the outside. And so let's take 45 seconds of meditation, prayerful pondering, to think about this. What does Jesus want to speak to your heart today? So we are at the A in the comma method, which is application. So what is our application today? Uh, from, well, I mean, that message is pretty solid. God cares more about what's on the inside than the outside. Um, for me, it's making sure that I'm, I'm checking the external and the internal. So what, what is my motivation? And uh, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Why am I saying the things that I'm saying? Um, just do an evaluation of the heart, you know? And I think that takes that takes intentional time before God. Um, it's, it's like the end of the day stuff when I, I kind of say, you know, it's, you say, I say, you know, you get in bed, you say your prayers, you say, all right, God, how was my day? You know what I mean? Like, what did I say? What did I do that, honored you that didn't like that um was good for my relationships was bad for my relationships that kind of stuff it's just an evaluation of the day that I think can really do good to check our heart and kind of find out where where we are yeah Nikki said exactly what I was going to saying at the end of today to look back and say uh, really honestly what did my actions say about what my heart was chasing after um you know if all these things show what it what I'm what my heart's like, I should look in the mirror. Yeah, so you guys both use the what word, and my application is the why, to ask to ask why more about, why did I say that? Why did I respond like that? Why did I do that? Because when you ask why, you get to the, you get to the internal heart-type questions. 
That's good. Well, guys, uh, that was a really good conversation. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I hope everyone listening was able to uh, get something out of what we said. Uh, we hope that you are going to join us again next Monday. We're going to jump into another uh, passage. And in the meantime, if you are not following along with the Bible reading plan, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. And if you're a Twitter fan, look us up at, at Bible underscore Savvy to get Bible Savvy insights from Mr. Clayton Keenan. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.